Hi, my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It. Next level aviation knowledge in microbursts. Welcome to another edition of The Way I Taught It, brought to you by our new sponsor, First Team Pilot Training, training world-class pilots and flight instructors for the aviation industry. With locations in West Memphis, Arkansas, and Fayette County, Tennessee, a fleet of Piper aircraft, and experienced instructors on staff, First Team Pilot Training is ready to support your training requirements. You can find them on Facebook or at firstteampilottraining.com, all one word. Give Barry G. and the crew at First Team Pilot Training a call today. You will not be disappointed. On with today's lesson, the spin. There you are on the turn from base to final. Once again, overshooting the runway after two previous go-arounds for overshooting and poor crosswind controls on final. In the back of your mind, you hear your instructor saying, no more than 20 degrees of bank in that turn. You're frustrated and you decided that you're going to show the airplane who's boss and stomp on the left rudder to yaw the nose around to the runway faster without increasing your bank because your instructor said don't go past 20 degrees on the turn from base to final. Suddenly, you find yourself nearing inverted flight and spinning to the left at low altitude. How did we get here? How could we have prevented it? In both the private pilot and commercial airman certification standards, Spin awareness is one of the topics that must be evaluated on the exam. It is also an FAA special emphasis area for exams. You are most likely going to be evaluated verbally on this topic unless you have a spinnable aircraft and a DPE that agrees to go spin with you on your exam. For this episode, we're going to discuss how to recover from a spin and why each step is important. Then refer back to our scenario to see how we got into the spin and how to prevent the spin in the first place. First off, before we could do anything else, pair R, P-A-R-E-R, pair R, power, aileron, rudder, elevator, recover. Pair R is an acronym for you to remember how to recover from a spin. Power, aileron, rudder, elevator, recover. Power, idle. Ailerons neutral. Rudder opposite the direction of the spin. Elevator forward till spinning stops. Recover from the ensuing dive. Now, your POH specific to your aircraft may have different procedures for recovering from a spin. So cross-check this widely accepted technique across the aviation industry with the procedures in your POH and AFM. Always default to the written procedure for your aircraft because test pilots have tested that procedure for your aircraft and they know that it works for your aircraft. If there is no procedure, then use pair R. So why is each step in this particular order? The bottom line up front is to consistently reduce angle of attack during the recovery process. So let's talk about power idle. During a spin, reducing the power to idle not only reduces the left turning tendencies if you're in the left spin, but more importantly, it reduces the airflow over the elevator because now the th there's not as much thrust, there's not as much induced airflow, that means the elevator is less effective. When we remove airflow from over the elevator, it generates less tail down force, which allows the nose of the aircraft to begin to lower, hence lowering your angle of attack. That's the whole purpose of this. Ailerons neutral. Well, the reason why we want to bring the ailerons neutral is if we have pro aileron 
meaning aileron into the spin, we're going to get wrapped up a little tighter. If we have anti-aileron, aileron opposite the spin, the spin is going to become more flatter. So one is going to accelerate the spin and be, make it steeper. The other one is going to slow the spin and make it more flatter. And we don't want either of those to occur. It just makes it more difficult to recover from the spin. The aileron's going to neutral, basically set the entire wing up to have a consistent angle of attack towards the end of the spin recovery. So we're trying to get the angle of attack reduced and we're trying to get the angle of attack consistent across the entire wing because it was the angle of attack coupled with yaw that got us into trouble in the first place. So think of it this way. If you have the left aileron down because you're trying to turn right and you have the right aileron up, you have a higher angle of attack on the left aileron, on the left wing, than on the right wing, which means it's going to stall deeper, which means you're going to rotate more. More on that in just a bit. Rudder opposite direction of the spin. Here, there's normally some confusion to what stops the spinning. All four steps in this technique contribute to stopping the spin, but some folks believe that the rudder alone stops the spin, and that's not really true. I can spin all day long, if I had unlimited altitude, with opposite rudder applied to the spin as long as I maintain the airplane in a stalled condition, i.e. elevator aft, AOA above critical angle of attack. Now, the direction of the spin might change, but the spin will continue as long as the airplane is in a stalled condition. So rudder, doesn't, rudder alone doesn't stop the spin. What it does do is it slows the spin rate and it lowers the AOA. Again, everything is about lowering that AOA to get back to a constant lift across the wing. So first, it slows the spin rate by basically creating a scoop. Uh, if you go opposite rudder to the spin, you're going to create a scoop that as the tail moves forward in the spin, so that the tail is coming around, it's going to scoop the air and it's actually going to slow the airplane down. It's going to slow the spin of the airplane down. And so when that happens, if you were a kid, if you ever tied a rock to a stick and you swung it above your head, you know the faster you spin it, the more flat it is. And the slower you spin it, the more it comes into the vertical. You're using that rudder to slow the spin and allow the nose to drop more to the vertical. It also acts like feathers on the back of an arrow. It's, pro it's producing drag at the very end of the airplane, at the very end of the arrow, which is also not only slowing the spin, but it's starting to help move the airplane forward to gain forward speed as it's beginning to dive. So it's creating drag to slow the spin and it's creating drag to allow the nose to drop and it's creating drag to get the airplane kind of pointed in the right direction. Elevator forward. Well, what got us into this mess in the beginning? Stall and uncoordinated yaw. So we have to correct both stall and yaw and the rudder is starting to take care of the yaw, but we still haven't, and it's kind of helping with the stall, but we really haven't done the ultimate proper procedure to recover from a stall, which is lower the angle of attack by moving the stick or the yoke forward, elevator forward. And when we do that, we finally reduce the angle of attack below critical angle of attack. This now has the airplane set up, the wing is now set up to create a lift across the wing equally 
improperly. And as soon as that lift is generated equally across the wing, the spinning instantly stops. Now, we have to recover. We're in a dive, we have stick forward, and we have a bunch of, in this case, right rudder in. We've got to get the elevator to neutral, we've got to get the rudder out, because if we don't, we could end up inverted, or even worse, inverted spin. So we've got to neutralize everything, and yet we're pointing right at the ground. The one thing I want to say about a spin is it is a stable aerodynamic event. It's usually a 1G event, and it usually stabilizes right around about a 500 foot per turn descent. Also stabilizes the airspeed as the airplane is spinning is going to stabilize right, right around the wings level stall speed. So when you pop out of this spin, you are not going to be hauling the mail towards the ground. Now, the longer you take to recover, that airspeed is going to build up incredibly quickly. So it's very important that you chair fly this, that you understand it, that you get into kind of a, a mantra or a habit pattern because we don't go out and practice this as private pilots. We don't go out and practice this as commercial pilots. It would be great if we did. And it would be great if it was mandatory, but it's not. So you have to chair fly this. You have to think about it. You got to talk about it with your instructor. So when you pop out of that spin, your nose is down, you know your airspeed is going to build relatively quickly, get everything neutralized, and then you got to start pulling back on the elevator and you got to start raising your nose towards the horizon. We have to get everything neutralized first before we start pulling back on the stick because what we're trying to do is be just aggressive enough to keep the airplane uh, at or below maneuvering speed as we recover. That's going to require about a two to two to two and a half G pull. And that's almost as equivalent as a commercial pilot steep turn at about 60 degrees of bank or equivalent to the load factor that you pull during an emergency descent when you're doing a, a turning emergency descent for your private pilot certificate. So think about that G-force and how those maneuvers feel. That's kind of what you want to feel in that dive recovery. What I tell people is pull until you, you feel your butt go flat. And that's about two G's. So pull to that point, that's gonna help you control your airspeed. It's gonna give you a higher angle attack, more drag, higher load factor, and the airspeed's not gonna accelerate as fast towards V and E. And most likely it's gonna stay below maneuvering speed, which is what we want because if we stay below maneuvering speed and we pull too hard, all that's gonna happen is the airplane is gonna stall or the stall horn's gonna go off and we're gonna back off of the uh, yoke, the back pressure, and recover from that maybe call it a secondary stall, and then get back into the recovery mode. My target when recovering from a spin is not keeping it below VNE. My target is trying to keep it below VA, maneuvering speed. If you allow the recovery to be prolonged, now you start getting up into the yellow arc, now you start approaching VNE, now you're really close to, close to the ground, and then at that point, if you decide to pull hard, well now you're above VA, now you're putting too much load factor on the airplane for the wings to support. And now we have an aircraft accident because the wings are just not going to be able to support that. They're going to be structurally damaged and most likely they're going to fold up on you. Okay, so back to our scenario. Why did the base to final turn snap off into a spin? Well, the hypothetical CFI limited the students or learners bank angle unnecessarily to 20 degrees from the turn from base to final. So 20 degrees is a target, but it's not a limit, okay? If we think about the traffic pattern as a rectangular course, yes, from turning from base to final should be a medium bank turn. But 
20 degrees is not a limit. It's a target. You can turn 30 degrees a bank. You could turn 45 degrees a bank. Don't recommend it. You could turn 60 degrees a bank. Don't recommend it as long as it's coordinated. My students, I allow them to use up to 30 degrees a bank to turn any turn in the pattern. If they can't use a 30 degree coordinated turn to make a proper turn, proper ground track to downwind, base, final, or crosswind, I expect them, especially uh, on final approach, I expect them to either maintain coordinated 30 degrees of bank, maybe roll out a little bit as long as it's coordinated, accept the overshoot, accept the fact that you have to go around, and just go around. Because we don't want to practice bad landings. We don't want to practice bad patterns. If we practice bad, we're going to get really, really good at being bad. If we practice this is unacceptable and I'm going to go around, then we are practicing good habit patterns and we only accept good traffic patterns and we only accept good landings, which means we're going to be getting better at being good. So if for some reason the pattern they're overshooting some, somewhere else in the pattern other than final, I'll encourage my students to just what I call in the military, we used to call it break out of the pattern. Hey, I screwed this pattern out. I'm going to roll my wings level. I'm going to climb 500 feet above the traffic pattern and I'm going to go back out to the 45 and I'm going to re-enter the pattern and get out of everybody else's way because I'm messing this up and I'm going to try again correctly. So the CFI uh, unintentionally limited the bank angle to 20 degrees. This led the pilot to add too much rudder for the amount of aileron being used. This is called a skid. We practice slips all the time, which means we have more aileron than rudder. That's much safer, even though there is a slight increase in stall speed. When you have too much rudder for the given aileron, a skid, now you are dramatically driving up your stall speed, and we'll find out here why in a second. So we're adding too much rudder for the amount of aileron being used. That drove the outside wing to rise. So we're pushing in a bunch of left rudder, and the outside wing the right wing is beginning to rise because it's yawing forward. So it's increasing its airspeed. It's getting more relative wind. And so it's creating more lift. So it's starting to rise. This forces that learner, that student pilot, to now start cross-controlling and putting right aileron in to lower that wing so he stays below the theoretical 20 degrees of bank. A couple of things are going on here. The left wing, its aileron is dropping to create more lift. It's creating more drag, and it also has a higher angle of attack on that 25% of the wing that has the aileron on the inside of the turn. The right aileron is going up, decreasing angle of attack. So now you have left rudder creating yaw. You now have adverse yaw because you're getting yaw off of that lowering aileron that's creating more lift, more drag. So now the airplane is in a super yawed condition to the left. And oh, by the way, that inside wing is retreating from the relative wind. It has a slower indicated airspeed, if you will, because it's moving backwards because of the yaw. And that inside wing all of a sudden stalls, at least the outside 25% of it. So when that wingtip stalls, now the airplane is beginning to roll uncontrolled to the right, to the left, and we as pilots to control that are going to do what? We're going to put more right aileron in, and all we're doing is exasperating 
the situation, we're putting the left wingtip or the left aileron into a deeper stall and that fires us off into the spin at low altitude. That's how we've gotten into it because we put this we put the aircraft into a deep skid because a, of a misunderstanding of what bank angle to use in the traffic pattern. With the given altitude, when you turn base to final, if you're a mile from the runway, you're only about 300 feet above the ground. So very limited chance of recovery in this case. Again, how do we prevent the spin? Maintain coordination no matter what bank angle you use. If you, if you just want to use a 20 degree bank angle, go for it but it has to be coordinated. And if 20 degrees isn't working for you on your base to final turn, you gotta accept the overshoot and you gotta go around. So there's your spin lesson for the day. They're great fun and support tons of learning when accomplished intentionally, following manufacturer and FAA guidance. Unfortunately, they can be very deadly when unexpected and pilots are set up for failure. Let's quickly discuss the phases of a spin. There's the entry phase, which is recognizable by stall and yaw after exceeding critical angle of attack with an airplane that is uncoordinated. The incipient phase, this is the aircraft spinning, but it has what we call post-stall gyration. The nose is going above and below the horizon while spinning. It hasn't reached a stabilized spin yet. It's seeking a fully developed or stabilized spin, and it usually ends after the uh, first turn or two. Then we get into the fully developed spin where the spin rate, the vertical speed, and the airspeed have all stabilized and the nose remains below the horizon while spinning. Again, I'm Pete Redden, and that's another episode of The Way I Taught It. Thank you for finding this podcast worthy of inclusion into your study of aviation. Until next time, fly safe, fly smart. That's The Way I Taught It. Episode References private and commercial pilot airman certification standards. Advisory Circular 61-67 Charlie, Stall and Spin Awareness Training. Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, Chapter 5. Airplane Flying Handbook, Chapter 4. CFR Part 61 and 91, and a whole lot of personal experience.